Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to start there. Hebrews chapter chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse uh, 19 today. You ready for this new series? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hebrews 6, and we're going to start in verse 19. Hebrews 6 and verse 19, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters in the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. But notice it says in verse 19, first part, this is going to be a key verse for the series and for today. It says that this hope... We have as an anchor of the soul, both sheer and steadfast. Can I get amen? So we're going to start a a new series today called There is Hope. There is hope. But specifically today, we want to talk about anchored in hope. Anchored in hope. So we're starting this new series about hope today. And um, this series has got to get real, really real. Uh, This series is going to kind of address some issues that people don't like to talk about at church, but they need to talk about it because they're struggling with issues. And then since nobody mentions it at church, they feel like they got to keep it to themselves or they feel like if they brought up anything that they're dealing with, that people at church would think, well, you're not a faith person or you're not a good Christian because good Christians wouldn't be dealing with this type of stuff, which is not true. Um, But. It's just kind of what the church culture of the world, not just this church, but every church in the world, the culture that there is in those type of churches that says, you know, you don't talk about what's going on in your life. You don't talk about issues you're struggling with, which, by the way, usually ends up hurting you more than anybody because we need to be able to talk about issues that we're dealing with. We need to be able to talk real talk about real life things. And so this series, we're going to talk about hope. There is hope, and we're going to specifically talk about anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression. And the thing about this is, as we get started in this series, if everybody was completely honest this morning, uh, you've had either one or the other, or maybe both, in your lifetime. Maybe right now. And we need to talk about it, because it's, it's hurting a lot of people, and we need to realize that the Word of God has answers for us. And that God has answers for us. And we need to be able to talk about these things. And so uh, there's uh, three words that, um, this is kind of the intro to what we're going to talk about. Uh, There's three words that God gave me for this series. What this series was going to do for you and for this church. Because like I said, we're going to be talking a lot about anxiety and depression. But he gave me three words, he said, from this series that, People in our church and people that are going to hear this message are going to get three things. They're going to receive hope for their future. They're going to receive help. And they're going to receive healing. Because of what's spoken uh, in these sermons about hope. So he gave me three words. Hope. And some of you I know that you would say, uh, you need help right now. And so you're going to get help, and I believe life groups is going to be a part of that too. And uh, you're also going to receive healing because we believe in a God who's a healer. Come on now, somebody. We believe in God. He's a healer. And he doesn't want to just heal you physically, but he wants to heal your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. He wants to heal you spirit, soul, and body. That's what pleases God, not just a healthy physical body. He wants you to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Completely whole. Perfectly whole. And uh, as we get into the series, there's so much I want to say, so I'm trying to space out these messages so I don't say too much in one service. But as we're talking about this, you got to realize you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body, and it all flows together. And if one part's not functioning the way it should, it affects your whole entire being. As a human being, and we need to talk about that because uh, once we get into this message about hope and about depression and anxiety and what God says about it and how to deal with it, and um, we need to realize that you are a three-part being, a spirit, soul, and body, and 
a lot of times we've emphasized the spirit, which is important because we are spirits, but we haven't talked about the other factors because the soul and the body all play a part in what you're experiencing and that feeling of hopelessness or depression or anxiety. And so God has answers for our spirit, soul, and body. That's the good news. And he has uh, help for us and healing for us. And he's not just concerned about our spiritual life, but he's concerned about our body and about our minds and about our family and about our future and about our emotions. And if we're upset about things, God cares about that. And I believe strongly, like I said, that hope, help, and healing is going to happen during this series. Can I get amen? amen? Now, I know that just by me saying depression and anxiety, everybody's starting to get quiet and serious already. And I, I realize it is more of a serious subject, but we can still be responders uh, today in the next few weeks or however long this takes. And we can still engage in what the Word of God says, because realize these are issues that are serious issues and that are hurtful issues and, and painful issues, but the series is about good news, that there's hope. Now, that's the good news. So this doesn't just need to be a somber series, and we're all just sad, and we're thinking about what we're dealing with, but we need to think about, no, there's answers. This is a good news series, that like we said, God said, hope, help, and healing for us. You guys ready today? So once again, Hebrews 6 and verse 19 says, this is the hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This is the hope we have. Notice it's an anchor of your soul, both sure and steadfast. Uh, Before we go any further, um, Something I wanted to mention about hope, this is a quote that I I heard recently, and I I thought it was good. Hope is being able to see the light despite all the darkness around you. Hope is being able to see the light despite all the darkness around you. Now, we live in a dark world. I don't have to say that. You already know that. Uh, And it gets darker, and God said it would, so we don't need to act shocked that it gets darker. God said Uh, The world will get darker and darker, but the church will get brighter and brighter. That's what he said. And so when it happens, it's funny because Christians freak out, and it's like, no, God already said this was going to happen, guys. Um, We just need to prepare for it. And notice that we need to be able to have hope in seemingly hopeless situations, and hope is being able to see the light despite all the darkness around you. Notice that despite all the darkness around you. Now, these are some recent, recent statistics, and I, I usually don't read a lot of uh, things like this, but you need to realize the severity of these issues, and it's not like anxiety and depression are new to the planet. They've been here since the fall uh, in the garden. Since sin came on the planet, anxiety and depression have been here in the earth. And realize thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, they just didn't have doctors and medication for it. Uh, They didn't have psychologists and people to talk through people's issues. They just said, get over it and get better. And uh, we're sorry you're dealing with this, but we can't do anything for you. So um, even in the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety and depression. And we're going to talk about some of those scriptures in this series. So notice, even in Bible times, uh, they were very aware of these issues. But notice, this is, uh, this is just the United States. This is what I'm reading here. We're not talking about the whole world. Uh, but in the United States, uh, recently they took this uh, stat, and they were talking about how there is around 311 million people uh, in the United States and 253 million prescription drugs for depression um, were prescribed out of 311 million. 253 million. That's a lot of people. Uh, some would say that's uh, you know, close to 80% of the population. We're just talking about the United States, not the entire world. Uh, so that's not a little issue. That's a big issue. Um, and the thing is that those prescriptions for depression or anxiety were not just for ungodly people. They weren't just for people who don't know God and are hopeless and helpless. That's counting a lot of Christians in that count. 
And that's why we need to talk about it. Um, last year, $11.6 billion was spent on antidepressant drugs. $11.6 billion. Um, 94 suicides happen every day. These are, these are serious things, and that's why we need to talk about it in church. We need to talk about real issues in church because the church is the only one who has answers. The church is the only one who has hope. And by these statistics we just read, it's a bigger issue than you realize. It's a bigger thing going on in people's lives than you realize. And notice, that's just the people who got a prescription. There's a lot of people that deal with that every day that don't take any medication for it because they're struggling, but they feel so ashamed to even mention it to somebody. They won't go and get medicine. And so we see that this is a big issue. And mental health, the word mental health, has really been kind of a buzzword word in our culture uh, recently, which is actually a good thing because... Uh, years and years ago, like I said, there wasn't much talk about it, and people were silently struggling and dealing with these difficult things, and nobody wanted to talk about it. But now, because we've seen in our culture uh, a change, a turn, which is it's actually better that more people are talking about it, and more people are discussing it, and more people are talking about getting help, and more people are talking about suicide, and more people are talking about that, it's brought up a bigger discussion, and realize The church has the answer. So if the church doesn't speak up, people will just choose other things for answers, for hope. You guys still here? I know this is a serious topic, but we need to talk about it today. And since that's just the United States, that's a lot of people, that a lot of those people are Christians, and a lot of those people know God, and a lot of those people are struggling. And no one's ever told them the answers from the Bible. No one's ever talked about these things in church, so they felt like they can't get help. But you can get help. And you can be healed, and there can be hope restored in your life today and in this series. And so that's why we want to talk about there is hope, and specifically about anchored in hope this morning. So... Thinking about this, and let's turn over to Ephesians as we get into this more today. You guys still all right? Ephesians 2. Thinking about this is that most people in here, like I said, have struggled or had, have had issues with anxiety or depression or both. They usually go together. And a lot of times, people are ashamed to mention it. People are ashamed to talk about it because, you know, there's a stigma on mental health issues. If you say mental health or mental illness, they're automatically thinking somebody who's locked away in a mental institute, you know, strapped to a chair on medication that's going crazy. But majority of people that have these issues are not that far gone. They're living their everyday life. They have families. They have jobs. They have careers. They have activities, they have hobbies, they do stuff, they hang out, they're not just in their house all the time. And we need to talk about this. Like I said, if you haven't ever dealt dealt with this, then you probably don't live on the planet. Um, So I don't know how you got to service today, Uh, but I guess you need to pray for the rest of us because most people have dealt with these issues before. And we need to we need to talk about this. It's amazing because when we don't talk about stuff, that's where the enemy tries to take advantage of us. Hello, somebody. We don't talk about what God has to say about certain issues. When we just avoid it, it doesn't make it better. It makes it worse, actually. And so in Ephesians 2, in verse 12, Ephesians 2, in verse 12, it says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, And strangers from the covenant of promise. Notice, having no hope and without God in this world. Notice what it says here. That there was once a time before you met Jesus that you were uh, estranged or you were apart from the covenant of God. And you had, notice, no hope and you were without God in this world. That is the state of people on the planet without God. 
He's saying all of us, but you imagine all the people on the planet. There's billions of people this morning that don't know God. And what does it say they are? They have no hope because they're without God in this world. That's a scary place to be. That's a sad place to be. You know what? I'm going to be completely honest. I don't blame people who don't know God for what they do. I don't blame people who don't know God for their actions. It makes sense. And a lot of times Christians are so judgmental to talk about, I can't believe they're doing that. They have no hope and they're without God. What else would you do? They're doing those things to numb their pain and their heartache and their depression and their anxiety. So, yeah, they drink a lot. I would too without God because there's no hope. And you're without God. Oh my gosh, they smoke that. They take that drug. They do this. They do that. I can't believe they're using their body for that. Why would they do that? They have no hope. And without God in this world. And let's all be honest in here. Without God in your life, you'd be doing the same thing. Why do you do it? It's for relief. It's not because you enjoy it. It's because you need relief, and a lot of us were doing those things before we met God. Why? Because we were looking for something to dull the pain of being in this world without God. We were doing something to mask the pain of being without hope. We were taking stuff so we'd forget about our problems. We were drinking stuff so we could forget about our work week. We were doing all these things. Why did we do it? For relief. And that's why the world does it. That's why the world does it. Why? Because it says that before we met God, this is the state of the world. This is the state of your life. You're without God and you have no hope. Without God, having no hope. Can I get amen this morning? Isn't that the truth? And so we need to be careful. We judge people harshly. About those things because we would be doing the same exact thing. And you couldn't be blamed for it because you're just trying to feel better. You're just trying to get some relief. So that's why we turn to all these things. But notice that's the state of the world without God. Without God equals having no hope. Without God, having no hope. That's why people do crazy stuff every day. That's why the news is the way it is. You see people doing stuff. You're just like, why would that person ever do that? They have no God in their life, so they have no hope. That's the answer. And we could look at them and say, well, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Well, you're not in their situation. You're looking at it from your perspective now that you have God in your life. But they don't. And so that's the state of the world, but notice that's was the state of us before we met God and we came into a relationship with him. In this world, without God, having no hope. Having no hope. But now, notice that we have God, we have hope. Come on, you hear this morning. Now that we have God, even if you don't feel it right now this morning, even if you have been going through a really rough time in your life, now that you have God, you have hope. Come on now, somebody. You have hope. Hope. You might not feel it right now. You might not experience it right now, but you do have hope if you have God. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Now, your feelings will tell you something different, and your mind will tell you something different, but notice they're liars. They're not the truth. God's word is the truth. And if you have God, you have hope. Come on this morning. Are you receiving this? There's one thing that I want you to take away from this series more than anything, and this is. This is um, what I wanted to say. If you don't remember anything else I say during this entire series, remember this. If you have God, there's always hope. If you have God, there is always hope. No matter what, whether that's a physical issue, whether that's an addiction, whether that's depression, anxiety, whatever it is, if it's a relationship issue, if you have God, there is always hope. Like I said, if you don't remember anything else I said, remember those words. If you have God, there is always 
hope. The situation can always turn. The situation can always get better. God can do, notice the impossible. There's always hope. Now, without God, there is no hope. When people say, well, this is a hopeless situation. You know what? Without God, it is. But we're not people without God. We're not people without God, are we? And a lot of times in the natural, they'll say, you got to be this way the rest of your life. you got to be addicted to this the rest of your life. You're going to be sad like this the rest of your life. You're going to be on this medication the rest of your life. You're going to have to go through this the rest of your life. But notice, that is just what man says. But what God says is the truth. And God says there's always hope. Because he's a God who can do the impossible. And he can heal things that you can't heal in the natural. He can fix things in your life that no doctor and no pill can fix in your life. Because he's a God of hope. So you need to remember, like I said, if you don't remember anything else, remember there is always hope if you have God. Always. There's always hope because we have God. We need to be thankful for that because there's a lot of people, like I said, walking around the planet today that have no hope and no future. And they're struggling because they don't realize that there is a God who loves them and wants to help them and wants hope for their lives. So realize there is always hope if we have God. Now, if you just came for that this morning, you just got your help. Uh, Because there's always hope. Notice there's always hope if we have God. There is no such thing as a hopeless situation to God. No such thing. To us, yes. But there is no such thing as a hopeless situation to God. Nobody's ever came to God with a prayer request and said, nope, can't help you. It's a little bit too much for me this time. He's never said, you know what, you're hopeless. This is a really bad situation this time. We can't help you. I'm even scared for you right now because it's so hopeless. God's never said that. Because he's greater and he's stronger and he's bigger than anything we could ever face. And so there's no such thing as a hopeless situation with God. There's no such thing. And if we don't have hope, we don't have anything. We really don't have anything. Hope is what God has given us. And it's not just a a positive attitude. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing that God gives us. How can people be hopeful in hopeless situations. Well, it's not a feelings thing. It's not just a natural human thing. It's a spiritual thing that God gives us as believers. How can we be hopeful when it's hopeless? Because God. Because we realize that, notice, there's no thing that's hopeless if we have God. There's always hope. Let's look back over at Hebrews. Well, actually, let's turn to Proverbs first. Proverbs 13. You guys getting something so far? I know this is a little bit different message, a little bit different topic, but I feel like people are really going to receive, like we said earlier, hope, help, and healing from these messages. Hebrews, not Hebrews, Proverbs 13. We're going to read it in a moment. So we're talking about hope. You guys feel any more hopeful this morning? You feel a little hope stirring on the inside of you so far this morning? Feeling a little bit different than the way you came in? Because that's God in there. And it says in Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Proverbs 13 and verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. And notice it talks about when hope is deferred, it makes your heart sick. Now, when it says heart, it's not talking about your physical heart. He's talking about your inward man, which I would say in this verse, he's not just talking about your spirit. He's talking about your soul. And realize, as we're talking in the series, that's the area that the enemy fights you, is your soul. 
if you've accepted Jesus, your spirit's right with heaven. It's righteous. It's doing great. But the battleground for the enemy is your soul. And that's where he takes advantage of us, not just believers, of all human beings. That's his focus. The battlefield for the enemy is your soul. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is your your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. That's your soul. And that's where the enemy tries to take advantage of us as human beings, is the soul. That's where he battles us the most, is your soul. And how does he do that? How does he get human beings down such a dark path? How does he do it? What does he do? He attacks your soul, so he gives you feelings. He gives you emotions. He gives you thoughts. He puts things in your mind that is not from God. And the battleground is your soul. So that's what it's talking about here. Hope deferred makes the heart or the soul sick. And I don't know about you, a lot of times it starts out like this. Life didn't go the way you thought it would go. So hope is deferred in your life. Can we all just be completely honest in here today? All of our lives have went a different way than the way we thought it would go. But we're still here. We're here. Because you realize you are not completely in control of your life. Everything that happens to you, what people do to you, things people say to you, you are not ultimately in control of it. And a lot of times, notice this is what happens. When your life doesn't go the way you thought it would go, what happens? Hope is deferred and it makes your soul sick. Makes your heart sick. There's a lot of people, believers, going around and their heart or their soul sick. And that is why we deal with things like depression and anxiety and issues like that. The root of that is a soul that's sick. A soul that's hurt. Why? Because sometime in your life, you had gotten your hopes up and it got deferred for whatever reason. By people, by a circumstance. Or maybe you thought you were believing God and it didn't happen the way you thought it would. Or maybe God still has something for you in the future, but... You thought you wanted it right now, and it didn't happen right when you thought it would happen. And so he says, Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, notice, hope deferred makes the heart sick or the soul sick, but when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. There's a lot of people in this place this morning that are sick in their soul. We don't talk much about that. We talk about sick in your body, but sick in your soul is actually worse, in my opinion. Because it doesn't just affect your body. It doesn't just affect one part of you. It affects your whole being. Because that is where the inward part of your life is, your soul. And so it says when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick or the soul sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Notice, the enemy will fight you the most in your soul. The enemy will try to battle you the most in your soul. Not your spirit. Your spirit's taken care of. Your spirit belongs to God in your soul. What's your soul again? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. That's where he tries to fight you. And he fights most believers. Why is there... Such a disconnect a lot of times with what the Bible says we are and who we really are. It's our soul. Why is there that disconnect? Because we could all say this. The Bible says I'm this, but I live over here. What's the missing thing? A lot of times it's the soul. The enemy has attacked the soul so much, your mind, your will, and emotions, 
A lot of times we've given up in that area of our life. And so that's what we're going to really talk about in this, this series. You guys still here today? Let's turn back over to Hebrews 6. So the battleground in your life is the soul. The enemy attacks us in the area of our soul. Hebrews 6 and verse 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor notice of the soul. Didn't say spirit. Didn't say body. He said soul. Because that's where you need the help. Because that's where the enemy is trying to take advantage of you. And of all places you need some stability is an anchor for your soul. Can I get an amen? Notice both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. The battleground is your soul. So before we talk about this verse, uh, I want to share some things about my own personal life. Now, my voice is a little raspy because I've had uh, some congestion here. So I do apologize. But uh, thinking about this message, I've been wanting to preach messages like this for a long time. Actually, I did preach one message like it uh, several years ago at camp. The camp was called Hope. And we did that on purpose. Because that really came out of really one of the worst times in my life. And so we called the camp Hope. And at Hope Camp, I talked a lot about stuff that I'd been through. And so we're going to talk about that today. Is that okay? <clears throat> so most of you don't know anything about what I'm about to say pertaining to me. You, ha- you have no idea um, the stuff that went on. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying from the outside, I looked like everything was great. It's already getting quiet. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm trying to find a good place to start. There's a lot to say. So as we get going uh, down this trail for hope, I just wanted to say, too, you know, sometimes you could think that, uh, I don't know, pastors, spiritual leaders, other people, like, they don't go through anything. Just because we don't get up and talk about it every Sunday morning, doesn't mean we don't go through anything. Because realize, if we did that every Sunday morning, that really wouldn't help you. Okay? You'd be like, okay, I feel worse. Thank you for sharing that. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't go through stuff. Because uh, we are human beings that live on the same planet that you live on and experience stuff. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, for a little bit here. And a lot of times, you know, it's almost like, well, you don't talk about your issues with other people. And, and I see that. That's true in some ways. But then other way, areas, you do need to talk about issues if you need help. So this idea of I'm keeping it to myself to be a faith person is, doesn't really work. Now, there's a difference between you telling the whole community all the time via Facebook every morning how you feel. And... Uh, and telling a trusted friend that you know that can help you. There, there's a difference, okay? A um, little Facebook jab right there. <clears throat> so, um, as you can see, I'm pr- a pretty expressive person. I don't know if you noticed that by now. Um, and I've always been that way. And I would say that I am a, a feelings person. I'm a hugger and talker and <laughs> a person who feels a lot of things. Like, you know, how there's some people, and I, and I really don't care for these kind of people, but they're just so, like, they're, the, they're just, like, stone-faced, like, no matter what's happening. It's just, like, good, bad, no, yes, like, do you care? Like, show some emotion, for goodness sakes. I'm the completely opposite of that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but that's the way I am. And I prefer that more than the other. I'm sorry if I offended you by that, but I prefer the way I am more than other people that are just like, 
Like, all right, come on, just show something. Frown, laugh, do something. Show some emotion here. It's good for you. So I've been expressive all my life. That's just the way I am. Uh, nobody had to tell me to be. That's just, just who I am. And I know uh, uh, recently there was a book, um, and it's actually, uh, he started um, this organization called uh, To Write Love on Her Arms. And it was actually, it's a nonprofit that helps people with suicide and uh, depression, anxiety, stuff like this. But he wrote a book because he wrote about his kind of personal testimony of dealing with that and then finding hope. Uh, But the title of the book was this, and for some reason I thought of myself when I heard the title. The title of his book was called, What If You Feel Too Much? And I would say I'm in that category, good and bad. Uh, And and dad, dad said he could be like that too, easily. You know, we feel too much. We could cry easily. We could laugh easily. We could fight easily. Easy, just a lot of emotions going on. Lover, fighter, kisser, laugher, all the above. Emotional. Could be. Like I said, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But that's just, I'm getting a little background here. So, I said, what if you feel too much? I was like, I feel like I'm in that category. I feel like I feel a whole lot of stuff. Now, we realize everybody here has feelings. Everybody here has emotions. And God gave you those. God gave you those. Uh, But even though he gave you those, the enemy can try to take advantage of you in that area because he knows that you have them. And he can trick a lot of people by thoughts and by feelings into a dark path, a dark place in your life. So, you guys still here? You want to hear my story? Um, And by no means uh, do I want to play the victim card here because I'm not a victim. And by no means this story, I'm acting like I've had a rough life because I haven't. So I'm not trying to say this is a woe is me story because a lot of you have a lot worse things you went through and you're doing great and God has helped you. So I'm not saying... Oh, look, there's the pastor's son complaining about his life with his new truck. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. So, about 2011, 2012, I've always been a positive person. I don't know if you've been around me before, but I'm always a positive person. I have been my whole life, a faith person. Um, and just naturally a positive person. You know, there's some people that are more naturally positive than negative. I've always been a positive person. <clears throat> so, um, in about 2011, 2012, um, I think it was, it was around the time, I know Jessica was having justice. Um, so, at that time, uh, she was dealing with a lot of physical issues. She had justice. Then after justice, she had a brain tumor, and so all of that was going on. But during that period of time, I was doing the praise and worship and preaching every service. And, you know, doing all that on a regular basis, and there was a lot of pressure um, for a lot of areas. And that's, we had a lot more services, too, back back then, doing the worship, doing Corey stuff, preaching. And I realized I started getting really tired, like more than just normal tired, like tired where I felt like I just had to lay down all the time, like I, I don't want to go do anything. And so during that period of time, I'm one of those people too, I feel like I keep a lot of stuff into myself, like I don't tell people what I'm going through, even though I am expressive, that's one thing, maybe I don't express that part of it, if I'm dealing with stuff, so I just keep it to myself, and nobody ever told me to be this way, but for some reason in my head, I was thinking, like, I have to be the strong person in this situation, because there's so much going on with Jessica, there's so much going on with our church, I need to be the person who's Strong. They don't need to deal with my issues. They got enough issues to deal with. Just everybody. Is it okay if we get real on a Sunday morning? So, um, 
So that was going on during that period of time, 2011, 2012. And I just, I kept feeling more and more tired, but not, like I said, not just physically, but emotionally tired. I felt like I was keeping a lot of things in to myself. Um, Of course, I was concerned about Jessica during that period of time. I felt like that um, just, I was unhappy about a lot of stuff in my life, but I was keeping it to myself, which is not good. It's not good at all. And, And that's why it leads down these trails to a bad place. And see, that's why we got to guard our soul before we get there. Because some of these things could be avoided if we took care of what's going on in our soul. So, um, I apologize if I get emotional. Um, But, so going down that trail, and then I think it was 2012, uh, we were going to Manzanillo. Anybody remember that? Was that 2012? Manzanillo, we were going on a mission trip. 2012. And... um, so I've been dealing with all that stuff for a long time, and some reason, I don't know what triggered it, but um, I'd been talking about it so much. I'm like, man, Monsonio's going to be a life-changing trip. It's going to be the best trip ever. We had the biggest group we've ever had go on Monsonio mission trip. Uh, but that morning <clears throat> when we went uh, to Monsonio, as soon as I got on the airplane, and this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And some of you have experienced this, and it's horrible. Uh, but that was the first time anything like that has ever happened to me. As soon as I got on the airplane to go to Manzanillo, I started having a panic attack. And I didn't know what a panic attack was. I just literally thought I was going to die on the plane. And <clears throat> so some of the things that started happening, of course, you know, when you're having a panic attack, it's like you can't breathe, your heart's beating out of your chest. You know, your mind's going a million directions. It's like you feel like you can't think straight. And I was experiencing all those things, and I was freaking out because I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm dying on the airplane on the way to Montenegro. And I didn't know it was a panic attack at the time. And I remember getting off the airplane. I felt so weird. I felt so weird. I felt completely out of my mind. Um... Physically, I felt super shaky because I've never experienced that before. I don't know. Maybe some of you have experienced those before. They're horrible. And we finally did get to Montanillo. But that entire week, I was out of it. I was there, but I wasn't there the whole week in Montanillo. And I felt, I felt horrible that I couldn't be 100% there. But I remember the whole week because of that happening to me, it completely threw off my body and my emotions and everything else. And, of course, later on reading about stuff like that, it all makes sense once you read about it and you understand the symptoms of it. But at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I literally thought I was losing my mind in Manzanillo, Mexico. And I remember it was like an out-of-body experience almost. It's like you're in your body, you're freaking out, but you feel like you can't do anything about it. It's scary. And I remember, of course, Chad Steele. It all comes back to Chad Steele and Jesus. <laughs> Chad, Chad could see it in my eyes. I looked, I looked like I was gone. And Chad was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. And he knew I really wasn't okay because the first night everybody went to the service and I said, Chad, I'm staying in the room because I don't feel right. I, I feel like really paranoid. I'm freaking out. And... He knew I really needed help when I said, and when you come home, tell dad to come to my room because I was really scared. And so dad comes to my room late at night, prays for me, um, but I still feel weird. I'm freaking out. And of course, that night, now this is the funny part. We'll lighten it up for a second. This is the funny part. That night, for some reason, of all nights, was the night on the beach that they were doing with speakers literally to five in the morning the night that I'm trying to rest and recoup and trying to like figure out what's going on okay that is the night you're going to have the rave on the beach okay that happened to be the night out of every night you could have done it and of course you know our window is right there onto the beach so you could just hear the bass just all night just on the window like all night of course, that didn't help. That didn't help whatsoever. 
<clears throat> so let me, uh, let me jump forward a little bit. Uh, I'm not trying to take too much time. So I get back, and a lot of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced stuff like this before. I get back after I've had that, and after experiencing one panic attack, the anxiety that comes over you, the fear that comes over you, because you feel like it's going to happen again at any time. So I remember when I got back, I didn't feel normal physically, mentally, emotionally. And I remember when I got back, even to get up and, and speak, I would have many panic attacks because I felt like, what if I pass out? What if it happens again? I remember to get on the stage, my heart would be beaten. And, and I've done that my whole entire life. So I shouldn't be scared about it. But notice anxiety, my heart. I feel like I couldn't breathe, even to get up and talk. And notice where the enemy fights you is your soul. Your soul. You got to stay with me here. You got to stay with me? The enemy attacks your soul. And so I, I know some of the reasons why it happened. I know some of the reasons. And, and we're going to talk about that in the future. And I know some of it's spiritual, but let's not say all of it's spiritual. Some of it is spiritual. So we went on from that, and it just kept going and going. And, of course, if you know, anxiety and depression go together. They go together. Most people have both because it's like you experience anxiety, and then when the anxiety goes away, you're on a high high, and then you could drop down to a low low. And you drop down into depression because you're, you're freaking out from what's going on in your life. And there's a lot of uncontrollable things. You feel like it's uncontrollable. And so I started getting depressed, super depressed, plus having anxiety. Nobody here knew that. Nobody here knew that. And the thing that was interesting, and and I know the anointing, that's why it makes sense, but when I wasn't here is when I was dealing with that. But a lot of times, as soon as I would step in this building, I would be fine. There were so many times, as soon as I started playing worship, I was fine. Why? Because the anointing comes on you to do what you're called to do. I can't count how many times at the quarry, during that period of time, that I felt absolutely horrible like I was going to die. I didn't tell anybody that. I can't count how many times it would happen. I would come in, feel horrible. I would think, like, why am I even here right now? Do I have anything to even say? As soon as I grabbed the microphone, I turned into a completely different person. That's the anointing of God to do what I'm called to do. And I remember some of the times that it was the worst, my messages were better than they ever were. It makes no sense. It kind of reminds you again that God's the one using you and you're not the one using you. Hello, somebody. The times I felt the worst, God used me the most. And I remember times before feeling like I was going to die, freaking out, anxiety, depressed. I'm like, I don't even want to get out of bed and go to the quarry tonight. As soon as I grab the microphone, preach like a wild person. And afterwards, so many people came up and said, oh my gosh, that message helped me. It gave me answers. That's what I needed to hear. Why did that happen? Because the anointing of God. I was thinking about that scripture where Paul says that when you're weak, he's strong. How many times getting up and preaching like that? When I was weak, he was strong. And I preach better like that. You still follow me today? So, that continued on and... Um, I know some things later, and we'll share this in other messages, why it happened physically and emotionally in some other areas. And, but it kept on, kept on, kept on. Um, and it wouldn't be like all the time, but it would come and go, anxiety, depression. Like I said, nobody would even know I'm going through this. Um, because a lot of it had to do with, you couldn't, if you looked at it, 
looked at it on the outside, you couldn't pinpoint like one thing. You couldn't say, well, you're going through this or you're going through this. You couldn't really pinpoint it. And so uh, we keep going, and I think it was Young and Free, Camp Young and Free, that right before camp, I had another just huge panic attack. And I remember all during camp, I felt the same way. Nobody would even notice that I felt the same way. I felt like out of my mind. I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. My chest felt tight. Um, I felt like I was losing it again. And so we continued to go through that. And for, for months and months and months, and I mean, the symptoms were so real that I went and got my heart checked like five different times. And they've literally done every heart test known to man. And every time they say, your heart's great. But I say, it's not great. Then why is it beating out of my chest? Why is it feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack? And that happened time after time after time again. And there would be times that I feel like I couldn't breathe. Times that I would have such bad headaches and feel just like I had a flu or had some kind of disease, which I didn't because of what depression and anxiety does to you. It's not just a spiritual thing. There's the soul and there's the body. Are you guys getting some today? So it kept on. And I remember that um, it was... Christmas Eve, uh, before, I don't remember what Christmas that was, but it was Christmas Eve. I remember um, we went to the New Albany Exchange on Christmas Eve, and I remember that I had just felt so bad, so depressed, so down, that I felt like I don't even know how to get myself back out of this like I don't know a way out of it like I don't feel normal at all and it it reminded me of in the Old Testament one of David's mighty men it talks about he was um, with a lion in a pit on a snowy day (laughs) that's the way to describe it it was like that's a bad day (laughs) with a lion in a pit on a snowy day. So that's like, that's the feeling I had about that season in my life. It was like, I don't see a way out of this. But I remember it was at Christmas Eve at the exchange, and I, and I was just feeling weird, uh, just mentally, just feeling off. Like, I felt like I was really emotional, like I was crying. And not as stuff you're supposed to cry about, like just crying about random stuff. And I remember we were sitting at the table, and I was feeling like, man, this is horrible. This is Christmas Eve. Come on, people. This is Christmas Eve. You're supposed to feel better. And um, I know that that I started crying at the table for no reason. I just started crying. And because I was so upset because I didn't like the way I felt. And... It was horrible, and that's why I know going through all that I went through, I have so much more compassion for people going through stuff. I feel like before this happened to me, I probably would have been one of those Christians who said, get over it. I probably would have been a Christian who said, you just need to be happy, like, chill out, dude. Like, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Get over yourself, which that's completely rude and not compassionate. But that's before I went through this. And I realized it wasn't as easy as that. It wasn't as easy as that because at the time, you know, I was confessing scriptures. I was listening to podcasts all the time about, you know, faith and hope and healing. And and I was still stuck. Even doing all those things. And I remember I started crying at the table and I was upset and... Um, mom spoke up and 
she was talking to me and she said, you know, Jordan, you're going to be okay. And at the time, I didn't feel like I was going to be okay. And I just remember that moment because it marked me because of all days, Christmas Eve, usually you're not like that. And I was thinking if I could get excited about something, maybe Christmas, but that didn't even help. And during that period of time, I know that the enemy, he comes to your soul. He comes to your soul to send wind and waves and storms to your soul. That's where he attacks you. And like I said, I'm going to share more in the weeks to come about the other areas, and there is other things, and, and I know some of the reasons why stuff happened, whether that's physically or emotional or spiritual. But you need to realize this more than anything, that God has answers, and God can heal, and God can help you. And even if you feel like you're with a lion in a pit on a snowy day, God can deliver you. But I remember that this thing wasn't like, hey, you're delivered, go. Didn't happen like that. It's been a journey. It's been a process. Now, I will say today, that's, that's starting all the way back in 2011, it's 2016. Today, I do feel, if we could use that term in the right way, I do feel a lot better than I have in a long, long time. In every way. But notice it's a journey. And I know if we could be honest here, a lot of people are going through stuff like this all the time and not mentioning it to anybody. But God has answers. Let's read Hebrews 6 and verse 19, and we're going to close up. It says, this is the hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and and steadfast, which enters in the presence behind the veil. You need to know today that you have an anchor to your soul if you want one. And that's hope. And notice it's something that God brings into your life. And I know this is one of the scriptures that I thought about when I was going through all this because in my soul there was a lot of storms going on. In my body, there was a lot of wind and waves going on. And I had to realize that, hey, 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 get a hold of yourself here. You have an anchor to your soul that can keep you when you can't keep yourself. Come on now, somebody. That will hold on to you when you can't hold on to yourself. That can help you when you're helpless. That can bring a hope into your life when you're hopeless. You have an anchor to your soul, and that's Jesus. And I had to remind myself, and like I said, it didn't happen in a day. And like I said, I still, I still deal with issues today. I told you I'm feeling a lot better than I've ever felt before. I feel good. There's a lot of wonderful things going on. I'm not depressed today. I'm not anxious today. But it, it was years going through this. And the thing is, even when you get past it, doesn't mean the enemy's not going to come back try to stir some things up, but notice you'll be settled, and you can be sound because you have an anchor to your soul. Now, I love this. It says that we have this hope as an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast. He didn't just say we have an anchor. He said we have an anchor who's sure and steadfast. The word sure, here's some words for sure. Strong, safe, certain. And it says that this anchor is steadfast. Steadfast means it can be trusted. It is trustworthy. It's unmoved. And it says that's the kind of anchor that we can have for our soul. Both sure and steadfast is the hope we have in Jesus. That's how we can still have hope when we're dealing with panic attacks, 
when we're dealing with anxiety, when we're worrying about stuff, when it's the darkest day of our life and we're depressed and we feel like, I just want to quit, I just want to give up, I just want to end my life, we can still have an anchor to our soul, which is Jesus, who is sure and steadfast. Now, we know at that time, the boats that they had in, in their life was everything to them. It was transportation. It was their livelihood. They used it to fish. They used it for everything in the time that this was written. And notice, if the boat didn't have an anchor, the boat was going to crash into something because there would be storms all the time. And if they didn't have an anchor, then a lot of times those boats would go out to sea and be destroyed. Or maybe they would just be in the harbor and they would be destroyed because the waves and wind would throw them around and they would crash into something and they would sink. And so they knew a lot about anchors and it says that this hope we have is an anchor to our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings. When we don't feel like we're settled, when we don't feel like we're on solid ground, there's an anchor that can hold us steady. When it feels like we're on a boat and the wind and waves are going and there's a storm. Because a lot of times when you're going through that anxiety and depression, that's what you feel like. You feel like your emotions are a storm. You're going back and forth. The wind and the waves, it's crazy. But knowing the whole time that you have an anchor. And that anchor to your soul is Jesus. And he can bring hope when you're hopeless. And he can hold you steady when you're not steady. And they knew in this time that the the boat was only as secure as the anchor it was fastened to. Good thing for us, we have the best anchor. Both sure and steadfast. Notice it's strong, it's safe, it's certain. It's trustworthy. It's unmoving. Doesn't matter what our feelings are telling us, what our thoughts are telling us. If we feel like we're going crazy, if we're dealing with worry and anxiety, we still have a hope that the anchor is steady. And even if our boat flies around a little bit, we're not going anywhere. We got an anchor that can hold us steady. And notice. Knowing that and having revelation of that will hold you steady in times like that. Having revelation that there is hope and there is an anchor to your soul and it is Jesus. That's the only reason I'm still here today in 2016. Because I had to wake up and say, hey, I know I feel a certain way right now, but there's an anchor to my soul. And the hope of God is holding on to me. And the hope of God is not going to let go of me. Even if I feel horrible, even if my thoughts are telling me something, there is an anchor to your soul. You know, by telling this story, and, and I gave you the, shoot, the super just brief Brief, brief version of it. Super brief. Uh, um, But the reason I told that is because you need to realize that you're not weird. You're not a failure. You're not a bad believer or you're not a faith person if you go through something. Because the honest faith people tell, tell you what they went through. But that's the key word. They went through it. Didn't stay there. We went through it. <laughs> and see, you need to know that today. Like I said, I'm not telling that story to make you feel bad for me. To make it sound like my, my life is bad because it's not bad. I have a great life. But I am saying... It doesn't matter who you are. The enemy will still try to attack your soul to get you discouraged, to put thoughts in your mind, to get you to give up. Now, I know part of it is because of what I'm called to do. The enemy's not going to say, awesome, go for it, Pastor Jordan, rock it. 
I'm looking forward to this. You're great. Do it, man. Awesome. You're anointed. God bless you. No, he's not going to say that. I know partially that's part of the reason, not all of it. But it's the same way for all. All of us have calls. All of us have anointings. The enemy knows that. And notice the battleground is your soul. But I want you to leave knowing this today. And this is just the first part. I'm not leaving you hanging. There's more to come. This is just the first part. But I want you to leave today knowing this because this is a scripture that helped me through that time in my life. That there is an anchor to my soul who's sure and steadfast. And even though I feel like I'm going through a hurricane right now, I can be steady. Even though I'm going through all these emotions and feelings and thoughts right now, there is still hope. And I'll be normal once again. And God will heal me. And God will help me. Why? Because the anchor is sure and steadfast. It is the most sure and steadfast thing in the planet that we can trust in is God. And it says that Jesus, notice, he is that hope and he is that anchor to your soul. Would you guys get something this morning? Well, let's.